today is our last installment in our series, Born in the USA. And I know it's very sad. It's been probably the longest series we've ever done, but uh, we're wrapping it up today. And uh, we've been discovering throughout the series that the feel that Daniel had in his life is, can be very similar to the feel that we have in our life, even though there's 2,500 to 2,600 years separating two of us. And uh, it's pretty amazing how he speaks to us. Now, the phrase from Bruce uh, Springsteen's uh, 1980s hit, Nowhere to Run, Ain't Got Nowhere to Go, uh, really is a statement about being stuck. It's a statement about being trapped. And if you ever listen to the words of that song, sometimes you hear it at political rallies and those kinds of things, but if you listen to the words of that song, you'll actually discover that it's really not a positive song. It's about someone who comes back from the Vietnam War and is, is stuck. They can't get a job, and they're dealing with the past and all these kinds of things, and they, they just feel the heaviness of it. So it's kind of interesting. A lot of times you see the candidate run out, you know, and they're like, yeah, you know, and it's playing. And, and uh, actually the message of the song is one of uh, being trapped and one of being, being stuck. And likewise, you and I can find ourselves in moments in time uh, feeling stuck in our lives. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, we just, we just feel the weight of life. And uh, we think of, yes, being born in the United States has a lot of blessing, a lot of gifts, but also there's a cultural thing going on, there's an ideology thing going on, and sometimes we can just kind of seem like we're, we're getting stuck in that. And sometimes some of us who are Christ followers, in a sense, want to pull back and, and form some kind of, in a sense, a holy huddle and just kind of let the world go by. But we're born here. And what is amazing is that even when we are stuck, uh, there, there is, there's an answer for us, and, and Daniel shows that. And sometimes you and I, no matter where we're at, will feel stuck. It doesn't matter if you're new to faith, if you're somebody who's been uh, walking with the Lord for a long time, if you're convinced or unconvinced, you and I can feel stuck, can feel trapped, and sometimes uh, we feel like a little beaver cleaver. for you. Well, I can't come on. What do you mean you can't come on? My head's stuck in the brush, see? <sighs> oh, ow, Wally! Wow, Beaver. Boy, we're going to have to find some way to get you out of there. Oh, Beaver, you're really stuck. Wish we had some axle grease to loosen up your head with. Yeah. Well, then I better go get Dad. Don't do that either. Mostly I'm making a fuss from being conspicuous again. Yeah. Don't go get Dad. Well, maybe it's been a few years since you've stuck your head between an iron fence or something, but there are those times where you and I... Uh, have that emotional feeling of stuckness. Or maybe it's a physical stuckness. Uh, maybe it's a financial stuckness. Uh, maybe it's a relational stuckness. Uh, maybe it's uh, something going on in your family, something going on in your marriage, and you, and you feel stuck. And, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a couple forms of this stuckness, and I know stuckness isn't a word. Miriam pointed that out to me, but I said I'm going to use it anyway. It's a word now. But uh, there, there are seasonal stuckness, and that's the kind of thing you get into. There's a beginning, there's a starting point, and then there's an end. 
And then there's lifetime stuckness. There are some situations you just get into or they're now a part of your new reality of life and they're not changing. Uh, some of us uh, physically, we have a, a lifetime stuckness. Some things are just not going to get better. Uh, sometimes there's other things. So we have both of these kinds of things going on, this seasonal stuckness, this lifetime stuckness, and Daniel experienced both. He's stuck in Babylon. Remember the story. He, he's 15 years old. Everybody's wiped out. He's taken to Babylon. He's stuck there. He's not coming back. And also there are situations where he gets stuck by what goes on. It has a beginning and it has an end. There's also the sources of our stuckness. Uh, sometimes the sourceness is just uh, the world. We live in a broken world. The way the world functions, there are storms, there are floods, and, and things don't always work right. It wasn't that way from the beginning, but that's the reality now, and we're in this world. So it's just that kind of source. Uh, sometimes it's because we, we put our head in the fence. We're going for the four-leaf clover, and we weren't thinking, and we said the wrong thing. Can't take it back. We did the wrong thing. Can't take it back. Whatever it may be, and now we're stuck. <laughs> and maybe there's an end to that, or may maybe there isn't. And then there's those other times where somebody's actually done something to us. They, they've, they've, they've created it, and because, uh, you know, it's been done to us, now we're, we're stuck. And, and Daniel, in a sense, we see experiencing most of these. We don't see him putting himself, his head between a, a fence post. We don't see him doing that. But we do see that uh, others had done some things. And we see that really, uh, poor Daniel, he was living in the backwater, the backwash of a generations, generations of people who lived in Jerusalem and Judah who had kind of just snubbed their nose at God. And God said, you know, if you keep doing this, if you keep doing this, uh, there's going to be trouble for your nation. And so in, in Daniel's sense, he didn't create that problem. He wasn't living a certain way, and all of a sudden the Babylonians came in, but, but somebody else did it to him. Sometimes I get aware of the debt that we're leaving for the next generation. And it may not be our children, but maybe our grandchildren, but some generation is going to be stuck because of that. And it won't be because of what they've done. It'll be a little bit of what we did. And so this happens. And so Daniel, though, amazingly, Daniel is able to navigate through this with integrity with faith, uh, it's brought into his life. He gets these trapped places, these stuck places, and somehow he has integrity and faithfulness and is able to navigate through that in amazing ways. And as we've been saying all along the, se the series, he, he just doesn't survive it, he thrives it. So as I was thinking about wrapping it up this week, I'm thinking about where are the places? Sometimes they're just little moments in time where I feel stuck. Sometimes it takes place over a half an hour, and how do I respond to that? Do I navigate through my times of stuckness, self-created, others-created, world-created, whatever it is? Do, do I have integrity and faithfulness through that? What's my response to that? Uh, yesterday was is interesting. I was getting ready to go for a bike ride and trying to get out and get a little exercise, and there's these keys to the shed. And, and people sometimes don't put those keys back where they're supposed to go. That bugs me. Can't you put the keys back on the little hook? I've got a second set that I keep stashed somewhere else for those emergencies. So, so they had been doing, Cindy and Mariah had been doing some things out, and I didn't, couldn't find the keys, and I'm irritated with Cindy, but I'm keeping it under control. I'm like, Mariah, you know, what's where it says... And then all of a sudden, I lean on my pocket. <laughs> the keys are already in my pocket. So in that moment, I did. I thought, maybe I should just drop. Oh, here they are. I, I thought it for about two seconds. Didn't do it. You can ask Cindy afterwards. I didn't do it. I, I did think it, and, uh, but I didn't do that. So, you know, so in that moment, you, know, you have these little moments of stuckness, whether they're like that or whatever, and how we navigate. Daniel seems to be able to do that. He's plopped in Babylon, 
And he's able to do that. And it's interesting. We, last week, we talked a little bit about Jeremiah, one of uh, uh, Daniel's contemporaries. Jeremiah writes uh, what God had shared for him to write. And there's this, there's this letter. There's this prophecy. There's all this information. And uh, it's, Jeremiah writes this from God when he's thinking about the captivity, when he's thinking about being stuck. And th- this is what he says. He says, make yourself at home there and work for the country's welfare. Now, that sounds all really nice, but at first, you got to remember, the Babylonians were savage to Jerusalem and the Judeans. So, so they just didn't kind of like move in and take over. They, they destroyed. They were cruel. They were heartless. So Jeremiah, through God, is saying, God saying to them, make yourself at home and work for the country's welfare. Pray for Babylon's well-being. And if things go well for Babylon, things will go well for you. Basically, as we looked at the first couple of weeks, he's saying, people engage in the world I placed you in. Be a part of it. Engage. Don't be separate. Be out there. Make yourself at home there. Go do what you need to do. Don't isolate yourself. Involve, get involved in it. And Daniel does this. He jumps in. He doesn't hold back. He doesn't Woe is me. He's engaged, and as we've looked at his life, he throws himself in. But it's interesting. When when we're trying to live out Jeremiah 29.7 in our context, where we are, there's a a little tension. And this tension was there for Daniel, and he identifies it as a teenager. And this tension, he he articulates, he says, this is how I'm going to deal with this. In verse 8 of chapter 1, he says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. Remember the food, the eating, and all that went along with that. But it's more than that. He said, I'm not going to get caught up in their ways. I'm not going to own their ways. I'm going to be engaged I'm going to live in the place I'm at, understanding, God, you've placed me here, yet yet I'm not going to get so far in that it starts to cause me to live in a way that does not honor you, God. And I'm going to walk that fine line. You see his friends doing it all throughout those stories, those accounts. And Daniel's able to do that. Likewise, God calls us to do the same thing. He says, you know, Make it your home, be engaged, be a part, but don't go too far into that. Don't don't let it rewire your operating system. Your operating system is to be the rhythm of walking and living in sync with me, if you're a Christ follower, so you live in tension. Some of us go a little too far where we're too making it at home, and then some of us stay too far removed. And the situations can be different. So it's not like you just, in a sense, check this off. I'm, Daniel said this, but I, he had to live it out. I don't know this for sure, but if, if this could almost have been a daily prayer for him. Help me navigate through this world and stay aligned with you. Because in essence, if you've been following Christ for a little while and you're engaged in your relationship with him, you probably pray that prayer somewhat, maybe not those same words, but you, you, you live in the tension of that, where you work, where you play, something's with your family, wherever you go, you live in the tension of that, of engaging and being a part of things, but not letting those things become to the extent where they bump you out of alignment with what God would have you do and be. I love what Paul says. He says this. He says, don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. And so as we live in this world, we try to do the right thing. And Daniel, time and time again, does that. Evil is kind of thrust into his world. Uh, There's no retaliation And what he ends up doing is he takes those situations and, and in a sense, uh, plays a trick on them, turns them around, and they end up getting the best of evil by doing good. You and I all have that opportunity because of the sources in our world. We can take something that is difficult and hard and get the best of evil, get best of whatever it is by doing something good. And in some way, not exactly way, that's even what's happened the last two weeks as you guys have gone out and served the community. 
something horrible happened, something devastating happened, but you're getting the best of it by doing good. And we're starting to hear some of the stories of that where people realize that there's somebody outside that doesn't have an agenda that actually loves them and cares them and then rolls up their sleeves and gets dirty and messy on the behalf of, of, of just loving on them. And that's a fantastic thing. You've heard me say this a number of times through our series. Daniel gives us a model for every age and stage of life. He, he just continually demonstrates that. What's great is we see him 85 plus years, 15 to 85. It's just not his teenage years. It's not his young adult years. It's not just his older years. It's, it's, it's every stage. And what that does to me is that gives me hope. Because I don't know about you, but I realize I'm not perfect. I don't have it all together. And I'm only a few decisions away from wrecking it all. I'm only a few decisions away so I want to be faithful at every age and stage. I can't, I can't live on my past successes. I can't live on the places where I've done the right thing. I, I have to build on that and continue on that because uh, it can just all go away very quickly. And some of us have experienced that. Some of us have been in a place, let's just say work, and you've, you've done a great job, and you've been there for a while, and you've got a great reputation. And then there's this split moment where you do something that doesn't have integrity, and all of a sudden, it's gone. You have to start, in a sense, all over. Daniel, at every age and stage, people would come up to him. You can see the Spirit of God is on you. Not that Daniel was like a, a right, self-righteous, religious, you know, hoity-toity person, but he, he was in there, but they could see something was different about him. The Spirit of God revealed itself constantly through the actions of Daniel all the way through his life. Early on, we talked about this statement, trapped inside every seed is a tree. And we looked at the New England jack pine tree. And we saw that the only thing that releases the seeds of these pine cones, actually not pine cones, jack, New England jack cones, right? No, it's the only thing that does that is heat. Without heat, it doesn't get released. So, so it, it just stops everything. So when there's a fire, when there's heat, when there's that kind of a thing, a new tree is grown. It's produced. Likewise, we see that in, in Daniel's life. The heat doesn't cause him to shrivel up and die. It actually causes him to produce something. He, he plants seeds with his heat, with the heat that comes into his life. And likewise, you and I can look at those things in our life and make a decision. Are we going to let the heat release the seeds of who Jesus is and who we are trying to be growing into, or, do, or we don't do that? but it takes heat to do that. I can remember some challenging times in my life, and I didn't like hearing it, but I can remember friends of mine saying, well, God must want to do something wonderful, you know, and, and he's, he's putting this all on you so his, he can just come beaming through, and I'm like, yeah, thanks, I don't want that. And hopefully they were right, that in the heat, it produced something. Sometimes we want to run from the heat. Uh, you don't need to write this down. This is just some added things we've talked about. Uh, Daniel kept getting promoted and increasing in influence. This happened at least five times. He had a hard work ethic. He, he was always growing. He was always learning. He was always expanding. Uh, Daniel served and outlasted three unbelieving kings. He was faithful. He didn't quit. He, he stuck with it. He didn't give up time and time again. Daniel also led two of those kings to faith. He had a life-changing example. I had asked myself that. Is my example such, maybe not a church, but is my example such that in my neighborhood, where I shop, where I'm not known as Pastor Dave necessarily, does, does my example produce any life change? I don't know. I'm thinking about it. And how, how do I live in such a way? that I have a life-changing example wherever I go. And then again, Daniel was 85, was second only to the king in power and influence. 
he finishes well. We could look at the lives of other kings and we'd see that they didn't finish well. That's not to make you feel guilty and not to make you feel bad. It's just to make us aware that we can live well for a number of years and then not finish well. I don't want to become a grumpy old man. The girls always say I'm grumpy, so I don't want to become a grumpy old man, but where are those keys? Who's got those? Anyway, you know, I don't want to become, I want to finish well, not just publicly well, but in my home well, in my relationships well. There'll be some day where I'm just, if I live that long, I'll be a little old guy sitting somewhere in the back. No one will know my story, but my family will know my story. Will they say, dad or grandpa or great-grandpa is finishing well? I don't know. The last chapter hasn't written, but for Daniel, he finished well. So again, every age and stage, he has, he has a lesson for us. When we started this idea of getting trapped, we talked about not being surprised. That uh, we shouldn't be surprised. It's going to happen. We're going to get stuck. Hopefully, the frequency is less because we're living a wise life, so we're not creating the stuckness ourselves. But, but it's going to happen. It's, it should not be a surprise. Things happen. First Peter, when friend, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Don't jump to conclusions. Sometimes we go, wow, the bottom's falling out. Where is God in all this? No, don't be surprised. The bottom of life will fall out. This isn't the new world and the new heavens. This isn't heaven. This is the world we live in. It happens. But when you and I jump to conclusions, any kind of conclusions, it can kind all kinds of trouble when we fill in the blank the wrong way. Watch this. He's got some explaining to do. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't think someone didn't put the keys back. Don't jump to conclusions when it comes to the surprises in life and where God is in the middle of that. Watch out for that. It shouldn't surprise you. We're having a talk at the office, and you know, I, I don't believe in superstition, so I, I can say this. I, my dad would be fine with me saying this. I, my dad's 87. Someday I'm going to get a call. Someday I'm going to get a call that he's sick, that something happened, something happened overnight. It's not going to surprise me. He's 87. That's not to take away from that, but it's not going to surprise. It's going to make me say, feel bad. It's going to make me feel sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to be really disturbed by that. My dad's been a part of my life all these years. But, but, it, but it's, it's, not, it's not going to surprise me. This is a part of life. And so you, 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 get, you get ready for these things. You understand, someday you may lose your job. Someday this may happen. So, so you just realize that, and, and you don't live in a world of surprise. So for Daniel, don't be surprised. Also, also look for the good. Uh, sometimes, and this isn't just positive thinking, but we've, you, you can probably tell stories where something difficult has happened in your life. You've had a surprise, or you've had this thing happen, and all of a sudden, you realize it's, it's produced some new things in life. Actually, some good things that, that would never, ever have happened. You know, sometimes it, it takes a painful experience to, to make us change our ways. And that may sound a little bit negative, but sometimes it takes a painful experience just for us to look differently at the world we're in. All of a sudden, now we have a completely different perspective, how we hold on to life, what we hold on to life, what we value. I love what he says in Job. He led you from being close to trouble to a wide place where you were free. And, and sometimes he leads us away from those trouble places. Sometimes he steps in and, 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 and it's good, but, but sometimes it isn't. Sometimes it isn't. So, so we see these situations as they unfold and we understand that God can use them, the heat of that moment, to produce something new, produce new growth 
in our lives. And we see that again and again in Daniel's life. Um, also, it may sound very obvious, we lean into God. We lean on God. Sometimes when something bad happens in life, when something surprised to me because I wasn't thinking that, and, and I, and I want to back off from God, it actually repulses me from God. No, 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 I need to lean in to God. You see, Lord directs our steps, so why try to understand everything along the way? There are some times where we just, we just don't, we can't put all the pieces together. Sometimes we can, sometimes a few years later, but sometimes it's years and years later, and sometimes it's never. But we still lean on to God. We know his mercy. We know his, his care. And we're going to see that as we get it back into uh, Daniel chapter 9 and finish out this prayer. And, and as we've looked at these areas of um, characteristics, these parts of, uh, really, they're not really, they're, they're really rhythms of Daniel's life. And you can see these rhythms come through in the way he prays. Uh, we see that it's not a magic formula, it's not do this, do this, do this, then this happens, but it's really a rhythm of who he is. And as we see the rhythm of who he is, uh, we can see the prayers that uh, God answers. So if you want to turn over to Daniel 9, uh, that's page 621 in the Bibles you'll find around you. If you don't happen to have a copy of God's Word, feel free to take that Bible as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Uh, that's Daniel, Daniel chapter 9. And we'll look into this prayer. So last week, and I'm, not, I'm just going to read these off, basically. Last week, we talked about listening first. Uh, we talked about look to God. We saw, and it doesn't always make sense, that when we look to God, sometimes we think he's going to limit life. But the reality is he opens life up. He gives us space. He gives us free life. So we need to do that. Then also, there's this idea that uh, we are to engage, and we engage our hearts. And we engage our hearts in what's going around. We engage our hearts in our prayers. We're really into it. We're just not reading words, saying words. We're, 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 we're apart. We're showing up emotionally also. And then also we talked about expressing your seriousness, that, that I'm really serious about what I'm praying about. And we talked about fasting and another cultural thing last week. And it's, again, it's not a, you do this, I'll do this, you scratch my back. But, but it's this idea that you're taking your prayer life seriously. I told you last week, someone asked me, how did you know this? Uh, I said, I spent 75 hours my sophomore uh, fall semester praying about Cindy and our relationship. I, I, Monday through Friday, an hour. Sometimes I said I slept a little bit in that hour, but basically I figured I was about 75 hours, and I was serious about it from one to two all those days. And, and you have to ask yourself, when was the last time you were really serious about something, when you really grabbed a hold of it? You know, I, I'm tempted to pray once for it and go, ooh, I'm all covered. But, you know, just investing yourself and showing you're serious about it. And it's already been mentioned, you can catch up and listen to that one next week. So where we left off last week was this idea of gratitude your attitude. Sprinkle some gratitude onto your attitude. And we see that this is a part of who Daniel is. Time and time again, he's showing gratitude to God. Even though he's trapped in Babylon, even though he's been there for decades, he still has this sense of gratitude. We see this in verse 4. Pray to the Lord my God and confess, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love and those who love him and keep his commandments. What amazes me about this is he's saying great and awesome. He's still caught up with who God is. He isn't resentful. He has this attitude of gratitude when it comes to thinking about who God is. And, and it just, it flavors his life. It revolutionizes his life. And I know even in my own personal life, when I'm, when I'm thinking about something and I, and I start from a, a negative side, a, a God, you owe me, or why is this happening, it, 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 just, it just sours the rest of the whatever. But when I start with gratitude, and I'm not, again, just making things up, when I really start to think about all the things I can be thankful for, that truth just starts to permeate who I am. It changes everything. And Daniel was a person that had gratitude. Even though all these things had happened into his life, even though he had had all these moments where it looked like he was going to lose his life, and on and on again, even though he's, he's stifled in some ways, he has this great, awesome attitude of gratitude. 
We see in verse 9, again, the same concept comes through. Though our God is merciful and forgiving, even though we rebelled against him. I love that, even though. Even though. Daniel identifies that he's doing better than he deserves. Sometimes I'll say that to you. If you say, hey, Dave, how are you doing? I'll go, better than I deserve. And all of a sudden you go, what? Oh, yeah. And then they look at me, yeah, you definitely are doing better than you deserve. And then I say, you too. <laughs> so, you know, this idea, even though, and there was a sense of gratitude, no matter what he had gone through. And last week we thought about him wanting to go back to Jerusalem, wanting the people to go back. There's no indication that he made it back there. But he's, he has this sense of gratitude, even though, and the even though is amazing, even though we rebelled, even though we turned our back, even though we said no to you, God, you, you still, I still can't believe that you're merciful and forgiving to me. And I thank you for that. I, I can't believe that. So as you and I, those of us who are Christ followers, look at our lives and, and, and think about what's going on, think about the rhythm. Is there, is there a sense of gratitude? And is there even more of a sense of gratitude when you know what is going on in your heart from time to time? When you know what you think, when you know who you are, God is merciful and forgiving in spite, in spite of what's going on inside. Next one's kind of interesting because I don't really look at Daniel as being someone who is misaligned or needs to confess that or needs to confess his sin. I, I, I just, I don't see that. But it's interesting that he, he in his prayer in, in Daniel chapter 9, prays for confession. He prays for uh, the things that, that they've done, they've sinned. And if you look at the first uh, five through six, we can see that right off there's we, 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 we. I don't know about you, but if you have kids and, and they didn't do it, and you start to have that discussion, who did this or somebody did this, all of a sudden, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. Even as an adult, uh, you know, you're in a meeting and all of a sudden somebody says something happened, you're like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. But Daniel realizes that he identifies with his people. And this is something that in our culture we really don't, we don't really do. We don't look at the previous generation or the other generation. I have a friend who uh, travels extensively, and one time, he, I think I may have even shared this, he was in Korea, and he was with another friend from uh, Japan, and they went to this monument, uh, this Korean monument that was uh, to remember all those Koreans that had been oppressed and uh, just devastated by the Japanese when they, when they occupied uh, Korea. And uh, he's there with his friend, and his friend was a little bit younger than him, and, and his friend started weeping weeping at this monument. And, and my friend says to his Japanese friend, he goes, why are you weeping? You, you didn't do this. It was, it was previous generation. You didn't have anything to do with this. And he, he owned it. it, was, it was, he, he felt connected to it. And uh, this is what Daniel's doing. He says, we've sinned. It wasn't Daniel who was uh, living that way back in Jerusalem in the last generation. We've sinned and done wrong. We've been wicked, and we've rebelled, and we've turned away from your commands and laws. We've not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our ancestors, and to all the people of the land. He owns some of this. And, and for me, in my life, I, I have to get to a point where I just even own what I really did. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in that place where you don't even, it's not even owning kind of like your group, it's, it's, it's owning what you've done. And uh, Daniel has this rhythm, rhythm that he confesses his sin, his misalignment, and his, his places where he goes his way instead of God's way. And Daniel was not perfect, so I'm sure there are times that uh, he, he thought about doing something else, about uh, you know, getting somebody back for getting him or trying to get him. Uh, you know, I'm sure those kinds of things went on, yet, yet, yet he, he had this, this rhythm of, of, forgive, of wanting to be right with God and confessed his sin. And I, I don't know about you, but as I think about this, you know, how often do I, do I confess my sin? Do I actually identify it? Do I say, this is out of alignment with what God wants? This is not the way he wants me to behave. How, how, many, how many times do I do that? I really, really think about it. Or do I pray, Lord, forgive me for all my sins, amen, and go to sleep because I don't want to think about it. 
And I can't tell you, you can't do that occasionally. I can't tell you, you know, if you have 100 bad things, you did sins. You know, you need to get all 100 out there. Maybe 88 is fine. I, you know, I'm not going to get into all that. But, but this idea of confessing your sins. I had a friend who used to like to joke that he went shopping with his wife uh, to do the weekly grocery shopping. And to save time when they were wheeling around, he would just pray over the grocery cart. Thank you for all this food we're about to eat. And then he wouldn't have to pray before meals, you know. Just kind of cover it all. He used to say it all the time. Every time you're in a grocery store, you do this story about this. And uh, sometimes we do the same thing about our sin. We don't identify it. We don't wrestle with it. We don't say, wow, that should not be a part of my life. Sometimes I have to pray, God, help me to not want to do that. I'm not even there. I like my little bad attitude. I like being jaded a little bit. I like digging that in. And I know it's wrong. Help me not even to want to do that. We kind of bypass this. But it's amazing. Daniel in 9 spends a lot of printed word talking about this. Lord, you're righteous, but this day we are covered with shame. The people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, both near and far, and all the countries where you have scattered us because of our unfaithfulness to you. We, our kings, our princes, our ancestors are covered with shame. Lord, because we've sinned against you, your great mercy. It was a time back in Concord when we had gone through a really rough patch, about a year being there. And uh, me and a, another guy were trying to sort things out, and we would, it was a large church, so there was always lots of little skeletons, things from petty things, but still bad, to, to horrendous things. And we try to uncover them, define them, deal with them, make sure they were dealt with properly, and, and then move on. And, and we found that, that it, it, we got to the point that we, that, when we thought we had everything figured out, there'd be a new story and a new situation. And so at this time, then we had to have what we called a solemn assembly. We wrote down everything we could think of. We sent a letter out to the people in our church family, the people who had been there, who had moved away. We sent it to other churches in the way we had acted. At one time, this church had been a real flagship of the churches in the area and had significant pride. And so we confessed that. Because, because we, we had to deal with that. And there were things that me and the other pastor, we, we, we didn't have any part of that. But we owned it. And we wanted to make it right and have a new chapter. And again, it wasn't to minimize those things. It wasn't to say, oh, you know, just forgive us. You know, it was, it, we really wanted to confess it, repent of it, and start a new chapter and stick to it. It wasn't just a... I'm sorry, and then, you know, a month later, we're doing the same thing. And uh, we own that together. And there's sometimes we've got to own those things together. We're, we're a part of that. As he winds down, he says, Now, our God, hear the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear our God, in here, open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because of your great mercy. And I think that little thought at the end needs to be a reoccurring rhythm of our lives. Not necessarily every day, but every once in a while, we need to say, God, work in my life. Touch my life. Touch me in the way I make an influence, the way I leverage my life. Not because I've got it all together, but because of your great mercy. Because it really is his great mercy that allows us to take any steps forward in a positive way. Of the way uh, Eugene Peterson, the message translates Psalm 51 I've been out of step with you for a long time, in the wrong since before I was born. David is just owning his, his human condition. We might call that depravity in the fact that it's just a part, it's in there. And any of us who are really transparent and honest and reflective can, be, can say, I am surprised at how every once in a while, 
the that that just that just being out of step with you, that sinful nature just just rears its ugly head. Because we're 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 just not that far from it. And that's again, that's not to go, wow, I'm terrible. I'm uh, it's it's to go, wow, I need to be aware of that. I need to be close to God. I need to be walking with him so I catch it when I feel that bubbling up, when I feel that harshness, that vindictiveness, that, that ar- whatever it is, I, I just, I just, I'm aware of it. I'm super sensitive to it. So I, in a sense, I, I stop it. I say, God, help me stop it because it's, it's, it's right there. It's possible. You know, and then sometimes we think, you know, we have to remember what Paul says, You've, you see, all of us have sinned. And all their futile attempts to reach God in his glory fail. And we need to realize that even us doing wonderful things, if, if that's to kind of earn God's, you know, God's love, it, it's just not going to do it. It's not going to do it. God offers that freely. Now, now, this may at first sound really negative, and all of a sudden it makes us want to maybe shrink back from God. But I like what happens with, with little beaver. When he gets out of the fence, and they're ha- talking about this, um, see, see, what, see what happens. See what his, his dad says. I think this is powerful, because I think sometimes we think our dad is like Ward Cleaver in the message that he, he apologizes, presenting or pushing towards Beaver. Beaver. I'll get you some. Wally, where's the Beaver? Uh, he's uh, in the park. Well, why don't you bring him back with you? Uh, well, he... Uh, uh, he couldn't come right now. He couldn't come. Why not? Well, uh, cause uh, well, he uh, cut his head in an iron fence. Heaven. What? Is he all right? Well, yeah, yeah, he's alive and everything, but boy, he's really stuck. Been there for about an hour. Well, why didn't he send someone to tell us? Because he was afraid to, Dad. Well, I kind of you hollering at him for being conspicuous last night. Oh? Yeah, no. Yeah. He even said he'd rather starve to death than let you know what happened. Oh, Ward. Uh, let's just get him out of the fence first, June. Then you can all sit around and tell me how wrong I was. Come on, Wally. Well, I'm going with you. Just a second now. There you are, Sonny. Thanks a lot, mister. Come on, baby. Uh, Thanks a lot. You're entirely welcome. Are you all right? Oh, sure, Mom. Well, I guess we better get on home, huh? I'm sorry, Dad. Oh, no, Beaver, I'm sorry. Well, I should never say anything to you that would make you afraid to come to me when you're in trouble. Gee, Dad, you mean you don't mind me getting in messes like this? Well, I don't want you getting into trouble. But when you do, I want you to feel your parents are the first ones to come to. That's right, Beaver. Gee, that's neat. Because when I'm growing up, We'll probably be using it for a lot of stuff like this. We need to remember that when we confess our sin, when we confess the things that we've created in our life that have caused us to be stuck, God isn't sending the message, don't come to me. He's sending the message, please come to me. I don't want you to get into trouble. But if you do, I don't want you to get into sin, but if you do, come to me. I want to be there for you. See, the confession is to give us freedom. It's just not to beat us down. It's to have an impact on our lives. It's to, it's to change our lives. It's to change the way we, we, we live. And so it's a good thing when we repent. It's a good thing when we confess and we acknowledge what's out of line with him. Daniel, he experiences his answer. And at first you're going to say he experiences his answer, so what's that mean? All these things come together, he's in Jerusalem. Uh, I think that uh, is part of it in the, the, for the, another generation, Daniel himself, is, doesn't go back to Jerusalem. But he experiences his answer in this way. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, that's Jerusalem, was on a hill. While I was still in prayer, Gabriel, the man I had seen in an earlier vision, we've talked about that a few weeks ago, came to me in swift flight 
about the time of the evening sacrifice. And what I love the fact that, that God is in action. He, he's doing something. Even when we don't, we don't really realize it, his answer is, is, in, is in motion. It, it's happening. We read on. He instructed me and said, Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out, which I have come to tell you. For you are mightily, este highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Again, sometimes we think because God is, seems to be silent, that he's still. We never know what's going on. We never know how God is working. I've showed you that, that little video clip from a lady back in Concord who had prayed for her husband for 25 years. I interviewed her, talked about that, and she never gave up. God was working. God was working. God was doing things. We see another uh, verse kind of complimenting God showing up and, and answering prayer. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gaining understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to them. This idea of humbling ourselves. You see, I'm going to say, and I'm going to say it very quickly, I'm going to say that sometimes we look at the answer being the answer. And you say, well, that, that makes sense, the answer. But I, I think it's more than that. Many times the answer to our prayer is actually that God shows up in our life, that God is present. You see, experiencing God's answer is experiencing him. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than whatever we're, we're praying about. It's having him a part of our life. And it isn't, and isn't he the real answer to our prayers? It's his peace. It's him joining us. It's him being a part of our lives and we being a part of his lives. Sometimes when you think of prayer and you think of requests, we think of uh, Psalm 37, 4 that says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And sometimes we think of this is, is so narrowly. We think, wow, if, if, I'm, if I like God, hey, I delight in you, God, then he'll give me whatever I want. And it's so much, so much, so much larger than that. It's so much huger. Again, I like the way Eugene Peterson uh, renders this. He says, keep company with God. The idea, if you delight in God, you'll keep company with him. It's obvious. You're keeping company with God. You're walking with God. Then you delight in him. To say, I delight in him, but you never keep company with him, then you really don't delight in Get in on, his, on the best. That's him. Open up before God. Keep nothing back. He'll do whatever needs to be done. He'll validate your life in the clear light of day and stamp you with approval. In other words, he gives you your desires because they're in sync with you. That's his approval. I love when I'm, I'm praying in sync with him, not just praying Dave Spencer prayers, not just asking for Dave Spencer things, but when I'm in alignment with him, and the two match up, and I see the two match up. Yes, Lord, what I prayed for, what I hoped for, what I desired for to see happen, actually happened. That, that means I was on the right track. It means I am keeping good company with you. It means that my heart is more in sync with you. And that's really the answer, answer of our prayers, is this communion, this connection, this walk, this life with God. And, and, Daniel, and Daniel does that. That's, that's how Daniel navigates. That's how he just doesn't survive. He thrives through his life. That's the way he, he functions. And then I love in verse uh, 3, it says this of 12. It says, men and women who lived wisely and well will shine brightly like the cloudless, star-strewn night skies. And those, who put on up, and those who put others on the right path to life will glow like stars forever. And again, this is just reflecting who Daniel is, is that he's always pointing with his life. He's pointing to his relationship with him, and it shines brightly. And our summing up verse, the verse for our series is this in verse 13. It says, go about your business without fretting or worrying. Relax. When it's all over, you'll be on your feet. Receive your reward. 
So this is the last verse of Daniel. And Daniel basically, he, he's, he's, he's praying for all these things. He's lived his life. And, and the angel says to him from God, he says, get about your business. And his business is God's business. Don't forget that. It's not about your self-centered business. It's get about being who you are. Reflect me. Be about your business without fretting and worry. Don't, don't worry about all these things. Relax. And when it's all over, you'll be on your feet to receive your reward. In other words, you'll have that proof that you were faithful and lived well. And there's days where I'm going through these moments where I've created my own stuckness or somebody's dropped it into my life that I need to lean into this, rest in it, and realize that I can, don't have to fret. I can relax. And when it's all over, if I'm in sync with him, walking with him, doing the best I can in a sense in a legitimate way, in an authentic way, that when it's all over, my life will have counted and I will have made a difference and I will have pleased him. Our first uh, couple weeks, our bottom line was this and it fits for today. A trapped life that adapts will never feel kidnapped. Daniel never felt kidnapped. You never get that idea. You almost, as you read through the story, you can forget that he was dragged there. He was enslaved there. He was made into captivity to, to, to fulfill this function. You forget that. You never see that side coming out in him. He's trapped, but he's not trapped because he adapts. And he never has this chip on his shoulder that he's been kidnapped and he's lost all these years by being in Babylon. He actually thrives. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for the story of Daniel. We thank you for how much it means to us, how much it sheds light into our lives. We're thankful for the way he navigated, the way he lived, the way he followed you in, in hard times. And we just ask that that would give us hope, that would give us strength, that no matter how stuck we are, no matter how trapped we are, we can actually thrive in your eyes rather than just survive. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.